Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about really your future away from the industry and ways to prepare for it. And I don't think enough time is spent talking about preparing for the future. It's mainly the here and now, and it's basically, you know, get this pump working or get this algae cleaned up. And you spend a lot of time building up your business and doing different things without really thinking about the next phase and, of course, of retirement. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's referral program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. I don't think a lot of time is spent on talking about this aspect of preparing for the future, and that's preparing your family for a future without you in case something unfortunate happens. Now, the chances of you being in an accident or something fatal happening are very small, and that's why life insurance is so inexpensive because, number one, the fact that they don't pay out many policies is why they can keep a lot of the money and make good money in the business. So one thing that you may want to get is some kind of life insurance. Now, I use term life insurance. I think term life insurance is perfectly fine, and it's a better product than whole life insurance. Term life insurance basically is you pay for a certain term, 20 or 30 years, and then after that term is up, the life insurance policy expires. Usually, if you do things right, you won't need the life insurance money later on because you're already a millionaire, and it's not necessary. So term life insurance is really inexpensive. If you're in your 20s and you get a 30-year policy, it's probably like around $20 or $30 a month for about half a million dollars. If you wanted to get a million dollars, maybe, you know, $40 a month. So this is a better product in my opinion because whole life doesn't give you that much. The amount of money that you get from term is much higher and there's no investing attached to it. You just pay a monthly fee for 20 years or 30 years. And a good caveat here is that after 10 years, you can actually renew it and get a new policy for 30 more years and extend it up until you're 60 or 70 if you just keep renewing and getting new term insurance while the old one is still concurrent. You can get that if you're healthy. They just do a quick you know, checkup to make sure that you're healthy. I think blood work is the main thing. And then you get the term policy, and you can have that and renew it. You can have one for your spouse, and it's really, really affordable. My first term policy was when I was in my late 20s, and it was like $18 a month. It was crazy for half a million. And then, of course, I just renewed it, I think, two years ago for another 30-year term for a million dollars, and somewhere around $40 a month. So term is a way to go, and it's a way to protect your family if something unforeseen happens to you versus whole life, which I think is a really bad product because the money you invest over the years in it, you don't get back if you use your life insurance benefit, unlike term insurance, which is a straight, you know, you pay monthly, this is the amount of money you're going to get if you, if 
something, God forbid, happens, you're going to get, your family will get this payout. Now that I got that depressing part of it out of the way, let me jump in and say that the earlier you start, the better. If you wait until you're in your 40s and 50s to start doing this, you have to spend a lot of time catching up. I'm not saying that you can't catch up. It just doesn't make a lot of sense if you're listening to this podcast and you're in your early 20s, late 20s, early 30s. You should be implementing something here at this moment because time is what makes you wealthy later. It's not, in fact, kind of getting lucky and picking the right stock or doing the right thing. Time is the biggest factor. So you build wealth over time like anything else. You know, you're building up your business and it's the same thing with building wealth. When you're building your service route, you start out with maybe 10 accounts, get to 20, get to 50, get to 80, bring on an employee, get to 150. It's all about building over time. So why is the concept of building wealth over time so foreign? I think because no one really wants to look at, you know, 20, 25, 30 years of investing because everyone is kind of in the here and now. They want instant gratification. You know, I'm going to invest money in Bitcoin. It's going to go up. Then I'm going to sell it. I'm going to reinvest it and keep building on that. It's very dangerous to think in short-term gains. Long-term is the way to go. I've been investing in real estate since 2001. That's 22 years now of doing the same thing over and over again, over 22 years. And I've built up a pretty good portfolio over those years just by taking it one year at a time, you know, buying a house, renovating it, taking that money, buying another one. And over that 20-year period, it just builds on itself. So you may not like real estate. You may just want to put money in a Roth IRA, put money in, you know, mutual funds, and just let it grow gradually. It's very easy to get to a million dollars in 30 years just by investing a small percentage. You know, everything you want to invest, you just throw it in there. Keep building that. And, you know, in 20 years, easily 30 years for sure, you'll have well over a million dollars invested that you can draw from in your retirement. But that's starting in your 20s and 30s, not starting when you're 45 or 50, because then it's too late and you can't really get that compound, um, you know, investment because you have to really put a lot in and it doesn't build on itself. So it's kind of an interesting phenomenon and it's something that I really want you to think about. If you're listening and you're in your 20s and 30s, you should be doing something extremely proactive to build wealth so that in the future you don't have to be working doing pool service when you're 60 or 70. And you've seen those old guys walk into the supply place. You're hoping they're just doing it for extra money, but in a lot of cases they're doing it because that's how they pay their bills. The key word here, and this is a word that's lost on a lot of people in the industry, is called passive income. This is money that you're making by not working. Passive income can be anything from, I know a pool guy that likes coin laundry, so he buys coin-operated laundry uh, facilities. Now, there's a lot of profit in coin laundry, by the way. The price is a little bit expensive because there's so much profit involved and not much hands-on. You hire someone to repair the machines. You hire someone to pick up the money for you. And then you just pay the rent and you're getting passive income. Another good source of passive income, of course, is rental properties. What we do, we'll buy a property, renovate it, put a tenant in there, and hold it long term. There's so many benefits from for holding real estate that I focus solely on that mainly. I have a little bit of money in, in mutual funds and the Roth IRA, but not much because to me, real estate is much more profitable and it's a much better investment because 
it satisfies that here and now need in a lot of cases where you have something called cash flow in the present, and then in the future you have the asset that should be paid off in you know no less than 30 years, of course, because you have a 30-year mortgage. It's going to be paid off by then. So if you bought a property when you're 30, if you don't put any more money into it when you're 60, it'll be paid off. And then you have that asset, the money you put in, and the equity that it grew to, plus you have the income from that property. So to me, it's a win-win because if you invest in the market, you're just putting money into companies. And if they succeed, your money goes up. And at the end of the day, you really can't sell that investment. It's nothing tangible to get a big lump sum out of it like real estate. So there's also tax benefits from real estate. You have depreciation every year. You can depreciate the property for 22 years. And you can also reset the depreciation table by doing a major improvement or remodel of that property, which I've done to one that already had I've had for 10 years. I did a major renovation and reset the depreciation table. This saves you a lot of money in your taxes because if you have, let's say, four properties, you can depreciate probably about 20000 on your taxes every year. That just knocks you down lower and lower in the tax brackets. You also can write off any mortgage, any insurance, any property tax, any gardening services. Everything that's associated with that property is also a write-off in your taxes against any income that you're making on that property. So most of the time, your rentals are going to be a net zero because even if you're making cash flow of $500 a month, the IRS sees you as losing money because you have the depreciation. You also have all the expenses and you're not technically making any money. So that's just a wash on your taxes. Plus you're taking your taxable income down with everything you do. Put a new HVAC system in. You can write that off as a loss. And then your tax, your tax base goes down by 9,000. You do something bigger, like you put a new driveway in. Then you'll take that improvement over the course of the depreciation and that'll lower your taxes over the subsequent years. That's why a lot of people that make a lot of money don't pay a lot of income taxes because if you're a doctor and you make $300,000 a year and you don't have any investments, your tax bracket is like 50 something percent, I think 50% in California if you make half a million dollars. But if you make that money and you write off all that inside there, then basically you're going to have, you know, a very low income. You're going to have a taxable income of, say, 80000 versus 500000 because you have a lot of write-offs that are built in that the IRS gives you. A good book for reference, I think, would be The uh, Millionaire Next Door. It's an older book. I think they updated it. But The Millionaire, Millionaire Next Door is a good book to get because it talks about the two different people, the paws and the was, and talks about people that have a high income but pay a lot of taxes People that have a high income would pay no taxes. And a lot of that is because they have a lot of real estate investments that they can deduct, which the IRS allows you to do freely because IRS and the government, not the IRS, I should say, but the government wants you to create housing for people. There's a huge housing shortage, especially in California. So they do whatever they can to promote you creating housing. California has some of the best real estate laws to create housing, not the best laws for Landlords, they're really tenant-focused, so the tenants have more rights than the landlord. But they have laws on the books that really will help you to build, you know, an ADU in the back of your house, build a, you know, junior ADU attached to your house. The laws are really liberal and easy. Now, the cities are harder to deal with, and I just finished a project with the city where I had a house that I we purchased with a house in the back that wasn't 
finalized as far as permitting goes. So I remodeled it and worked with the city for eight months now to get all the permits finalized. And so that's something that you can do. But there is some difficulty, of course, with each city, depending on where you live. But the state itself is really friendly to expanding housing. So a lot of you may be struggling with the idea of getting a rental property. So let me give you a brief, you know, simple way of doing things. And I think if you're starting out, there's resources out there. Of course, the Bigger Pockets podcast is a great real estate resource. And I think if you really wanted to do this, you you want to you want to switch to a real estate kind of oriented, you know, get go online, look up everything you can about buying rental properties and managing them. Watch as many YouTube videos as you can on that also. But the blueprint is really simple. You want to save enough money for a down payment. Usually the bank will require 30% on an investment property. There are, of course, other ways of doing this. You can, If you have a primary residence and you're planning on moving, you can actually buy another residence as your primary residence, put down as little as 3%, and then keep your property and rent it out. The good thing is that a lot of lenders will allow you to use your projected rent to qualify you for the loan. So don't worry about if you have a mortgage on your house and you're going to be keeping that and buying another house. Most lenders will will do a rent survey in the area and they'll use the projected rent to help qualify you for the next purchase. So that's a good thing. And that's an easy way to do it without putting 30% down. Here in California, most lenders, you know, they say 25%, but at the end they'll want 30%. So what does that look like? You're buying something for four hundred thousand, let's say that's one hundred twenty thousand dollars down, and then they're gonna they're gonna want you to have at least six months of expenses in the bank. So you probably need about one hundred fifty thousand cash to buy something. And if you're worried about the interest rates, I wouldn't be too concerned about the rate. The payment is the thing you have to be concerned about. If you can't make the payment or if the rent can't cover the payment, then there's a problem there because. Cash flow is really important, I think, in this whole equation. You can't just buy an asset and hope that it's going to go up in value and then maybe a few years sell it. That's not how you do this because you want to hold it long term and make some cash and get some cash flow. So if you're buying something, of course, it has to be a duplex or a triplex or maybe two houses on one lot, something where the rent income is going to cover the higher mortgage because interest rates you know, are really high. I think today could probably get, if you're doing an investment, 8.5%, which raises the initial payment up to a level that's 40% higher than it was two years ago. And I think you have to really think about, you know, investing in the right property and cash flow is really important when you're factoring in what you're purchasing. And if you're really concerned about the rate being too high, 8.5%, let's say, there's actually a little mathematical trick that you can do it's really easy to do. It's the amortization table is all math and it's really math generated or created to benefit the bank and not benefit you. It's all interest front loaded and principal back loaded, but you can actually kind of short circuit the amortization table. And I'll give you a quick example how to do this. Just go to this website. It's called calculator.net. And then if you're on, the, on a PC, it'll take you to the page that you need to be at. If you're on a phone, you would have to go to Mortgage Payoff Calculator in the in the menu. So let's say that you have a loan for 300000 30 years, 8.5. And you want to do this within the first couple months. So you have 29 years and 10 months remaining. If you put 10%, a 10% payment, which is 30000 on on month number two when you buy the property, 
you're going to um, take nine years off that mortgage and save $220,000 just by making that one 10% payment in the first two months of having that mortgage. So you're going to create a 20-year and 10-month mortgage and save $220,000 by doing that. It's a little trick because you're gonna you're kind of resetting the table and bringing that 8.5% rate down to about 4.5%, 5% by just making that 10% payment in the first two months. The payments don't change, so you have to make sure that the income can cover that, but the, the loan term changes and you, you take 10 years off with that one payment at the beginning and you save a ton of money and interest that the bank would have earned. And that's why the higher interest rates are not something to really worry about if you can do something like this. I would be concerned about it if you're not going to make any extra payments or if you don't plan on refinancing. Here's the key. If you do do this 10% trick, you don't want to refinance it because then you just lose all of that. So just pay it off and make sure that you don't refinance it or sell it. And I think this is a smart thing to do and something you can implement really easy if you have the cash available. Again, the site is calculator.net, and then you just go to Mortgage Payoff Calculator, enter in that lump sum payment, hit Calculate. Of course, of course put all the terms in there, and that's one way to kind of short-circuit it. I highly recommend it, and I wouldn't worry too much about the rates because there's ways around it, and that's one little trick there. I think something that also I get asked a lot is like, how do you save that kind of money? You can, of course, if you have equity in your house, you can use that if your house is paid down. I think paying off your mortgage should be a primary goal before you start doing this because if you get into too much debt and you have no resources to kind of draw from, it could be a problem. And I've I've known people, I have a friend who lost eight houses because he was just stretched out on debt, his personal house, everything else he owned was debt heavy. So we run everything with an 80% cash to debt ratio. That means that 20 to 25% of our money is in loans, and then 75 to 80% of it is in assets that are have cash. So we have a lot of paid off mortgages because I think that's the safest way to invest. You can always draw money if you need to. And if you get into too much debt and something happens, you're, you're in a world of hurt. So debt is very dangerous and it's not a tool that's going to help you. It's a tool that's going to harm you. So the least you use it, the better. However, for rental properties, it does help you because it creates a lot of write-offs for you. And it's basically the only way to do it because to save up 400000 would take you a long time. Saving up 150000 not so much because I think our industry, you're in the best position to scale your business, which means that you can work 40 hours a week, but bring in two times and three times the income that you're making now. How do you do that? You can scale your business. So you get to 80 pools, bring on an employee, give them 40 pools to do, keep giving them more and more pools, advertise, get more pools, build that route up to where they have 70 pools, you're back up to 70 or 80, bring on another employee and do the same thing, and then you just scaled your business. Now you're working 40 hours, you have two employees working 40 hours, but you're getting half of their money, and so you just doubled your money. So having two employees plus you working out there, you just doubled all the money you're making basically in your business, and you just scaled it. Bring on another employee and the same thing. Take on other work, do other things, and you're scaling your business where if you were just doing a regular job, you can only work 40 hours. If you can work 50 or 60, 
you really don't have time for anything else, and you then you start to get burned out. You're scaling your money, yes, but you're, you're working more hours to do it. So this business will give you the opportunity to scale your money, save money, and to invest it wisely because it's a service business that has endless opportunities. You can get into the building aspect of it, remodeling of the pools, by getting your contractor's license, bringing on employees, getting repair tech, expanding out, doing all the kinds of repairs. And, you know, the sky's the limit, basically, of how big you want to get. A good buddy of mine, Mo here, who I trained back in 1990, has, I think, 18 trucks. He has a 1,800, 2,000 pools, maybe more. He doesn't even know how many pools he has. He's so big. And I asked him one time, you know, how many pools do you have? He goes, I can't even, I don't even know when the customer cancels sometimes because I have so many pools. I mean, that's management issues. But he's half joking. He has so many accounts. And he scaled it. Um, he has eight houses to date. And uh, a lot of those are paid off also. I gave him this philosophy when he was much younger and he started buying houses when he was in his 20s. And he's done really well with the real estate and with the pool business and with scaling everything to that level. Or if you don't want to scale up your business, you want to stay a single polar, but you want to scale your investments, you can actually use your real estate investments and scale that. You can take money out of a property that you have paid down. You can use that to buy another one. You can save up money, use a rental income from your other properties to qualify for another property and continue to scale up by just using your real estate investments to scale. Once you get the four or five properties, scaling becomes very easy. You have good rental income. You have a lot of assets that you're paying down and you can scale using your investments rather than scaling your business. So there's other ways of doing it besides getting a huge pool service business and adding more and more employees. You can actually use your real estate investments to scale. You can move every two or three years, buy a house, get another one, move again in two or three years, get another one, and you can scale that way also. And a lot of people do that particular scaling where it doesn't really matter where they're living. They can just get a house, stay in there for two years, rent it out, get another house, and do this until they have five or six of them. And that's another way of scaling. There's many different ways of doing it, not just by building up your business, but you can use your investments to also scale things. I really think the biggest danger is waiting and not doing anything because I know many, many people that are in their late 40s, early 50s with really nothing in the market and mutual funds, Roth IRAs, and just their house with the mortgage still because they keep refinancing every two or three years. So they're 50 with 29 years left on their mortgage with no investments. And really, it's going to be difficult for them to plan on a really good retirement. Now, you're going to get Social Security. Don't get me wrong. If you file your taxes and you don't fudge on them and you report your income to a certain level, you will still, you're still paying into the Social Security system, not nearly as much if you're working for an employee with payroll tax, but you are getting something. But it's not going to be enough in most cases to do anything beyond paying your mortgage if you still have one. The ultimate goal here is to have a personal residence that's paid off. That's number one. And then on top of that, have passive income coming in later above and beyond your Social Security or any kind of pension that your spouse may have because that's going to be your future. If you want to stop working when you're 58, 62, 55, 50, you have to plan for it when you're in your 20s and 30s because time is the biggest factor in everything. I bought a house back in 1997 for 159000 
Today it's worth 570000 as a townhome. And that's kind of what happens over 20 years in California. You know, you, I bought a house back in 2001 that I got it for 96000 here in California. It was crazy cheap back then. That particular house is worth 650000 And that's time and that's the element that you're going to miss. Now, if you're thinking, well, the houses are 400000 in my area, it's not going to go up to 800000 You never know. And it's going to go up to some degree at some point. And if it doesn't go up past 500000 you still have an asset worth half a million if it's paid off. Plus, you're having that rental income on that property in the future. So to me, it doesn't really matter if it goes up, you know, 500% or 200% or just 50%. The point is that the money you invest is normally going to still be there unless you're like in Detroit, Michigan or something. But, you know, the, the money that you put in there, you're going to be able to get it out as some value, some increase, who knows how much, but time is the big element. And I think starting when you're younger, starting now is the key. And if you're looking for other podcasts I recorded, of course, I have plenty of those on the pool industry and on equipment, chemicals, and things of that nature. Go to my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and on the banner, click on the podcast icon. That'll take you to a drop-down menu of 1,300 podcasts. And if you're interested in the coaching program, you can learn more at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash poolguy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash poolguy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.